It's budget day in Ottawa, four o'clock today. We'll be carrying live the speech from the finance minister as Christy Freeland unveils her first budget, the first budget under the NDP liberal accord. Don't call it a coalition. It's not a coalition, people, please. It's not a coalition. Well, we'll find out just exactly how much spending there will be and where it will be. Of course, we know the centerpiece of it will likely be on housing and housing affordability. To talk about that, also what's going on provincially as well, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program Dr. Lori Turnbull, Associate Professor of Political Science at Dalhousie. Lori, how are you? Doing well, Alan. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's always fun on Budget Day. I, I'm, I'm sad that I'm not in the lockup. Uh, I've, you know, for years, I'm I covered I'm not. provincial politics I'm good. and you're good that you're not there and having the OPP <laughs> yeah. escort you to the bathroom as they often <laughs> yeah, do here. I don't <laughs> um, do you think that uh, obviously the, the headline that the federal liberals want us to, to read and we'll see what exactly will come out of it when we get the details at four o'clock is on housing. You think that's the sweet spot in terms of uh, pitching to sort of middle Canada, uh, a budget here? Um, I think they've got to do a few things. And honestly, like when you look at the contents of the liberal NDP agreement and no, it's not a coalition, but it is a sort of three year plan for the things they want to do. That kind of stuff is going to take a long time, right? Like this is beyond one budget. And I think given the kinds of pressures that are on the government in terms of managing inflation and also responding to what's happening globally, uh, responding to the need for a number of, of social programs that the two parties are very interested in, and at the same time trying to show some interest in maintaining a fiscal anchor and to kind of bring things back under control, I think it's probably going to take more than one budget to do that, which might speak to the, the some of the purpose for the agreement that they have, although I still don't think it was totally necessary. I think the housing, the piece, that piece is particularly important, not just for, you know, the messaging around growing the middle class, but also they've shown that there, there's some interest in a federal government role on the supply side of affordable housing. And so they've got the sort of set up for being able to, to put aside 40 grand tax-free for a down payment. That's obviously speaking to the people who might be interested in owning a home, but they've also got, you know, some agreements with municipalities, some transfers for funds so that there can be more uh, building on the affordable housing side. And so I think they're trying to take a well-rounded approach to it. Now, how fast that's going to come and whether it's going to make people happy is another thing, but I think they're trying to be well-rounded with it. And that's and that shows the NDP's influence, I think, on the conversation as well. Mm-hmm. All right. And of course, details coming up at four o'clock today. We'll carry that live. Uh, let's talk uh, provincial politics. Uh, in our last segment, the uh, critic for the health critic for the Ontario Liberal Party, uh, John Fraser, was on uh, r- repeating the assertion that the chief medical officer of health, Dr. Kieran Moore, is somehow being muzzled uh, and that we must return to some kind of expanded mask mandate. How much of this is politics in your estimation? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. And and we've seen that over the past couple of years since COVID started. And we've seen it in all jurisdictions in the country where there is a, a kind of balance between the decision making on the political side, because it is the premier's decision, right, to, to decide, you know, what's what's going to happen in terms of restrictions and lockdowns and things like mask ma- mandates, like those are political decisions, but they are highly informed, we hope, by public health advice. And so I think in the initial stages of COVID, when we were truly, you know, in a, in a kind of, we're figuring this out as we go along, everybody's scared, everybody's kind of looking to that public health advice. There wasn't as much space between 
the premiers and the public health officials, because there was a sense that this, you know, we're heavily reliant on what public health officials are saying. And, and I think probably in some provinces, there was more, more synergy between, you know, the premier and the chief, chief health officer than there were, than there was in other provinces. So in Nova Scotia, for example, we actually had three premiers over the course of COVID and they all very closely listened to Dr. Strang, who was our chief medical officer. So, I mean, there's, we kind of depend on that to a certain extent, but as we go through the various stages of COVID, premiers are making decisions that definitely have a political side to them. And Premier Ford is looking at an election in a very short period of time. And he might be thinking a little about how um, he wants to manage his record on COVID-19 during the election. That's going to be first and foremost, I think, for him. And so whether Dr. Moore is being muzzled, I don't know. But I think if, if you've got somebody out saying, you know, where are the mask mandates and we should maybe be doing this again, that's going to pick up on the messaging from the liberals and the NDP in the province saying we should be returning to mask mandates and we should be doing X, Y, Z. And so it would, you know, it would be a political liability for Ford. And that's, that's how these things play out. I thought it was interesting. I, I asked uh, John Fraser, you know, if the chief medical officer of health comes out tomorrow and says, I stand by what I said on mask mm-hmm. mandates, would they drop their call to reinstate him? He said, no. So it's kind of playing it both ways. Like we want to hear from you, but if we hear from you and we don't like what we have, you have to say, we're still going to accuse you of, you know, being manipulated by the politics of it all. Uh, later on this afternoon, uh, Kathleen Wynne will be giving her final speech to the Ontario legislature. Uh, she's not running in this uh, upcoming election. Just your thoughts on on her legacy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that this this her her political career is going to be coming to an end. And I remember when she was chosen as a leader after Dalton McGuinty in 2013. And she was definitely, I mean, she had highs and lows in her political career for sure. And I can remember times that she was, you know, not only the least popular premier in the country at the time, but, you know, the least popular premier over time. Like, you know, she, there were times that she was at like 12%, which is, which is hard to fathom in some ways. But she was also, you know, she was a pioneer for social issues like basic income. That's something that, that Premier Ford got rid of very shortly after taking office. But we also see a lot of conversation remaining about that. And I think now uh, when we're kind of thinking about how this role of the state has changed over the COVID-19 period, there's definitely a lot of questions about how the state can be there for people. And so these conversations aren't over. She might have been early to those conversations in some ways, but I suspect she'll, she'll continue to talk and have a lot to offer. Lori, always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, too. Take care. That's Lori Turnbull, who's a professor of political science and the director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie.